Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Zararis. Today's show had one of my friends from football Twitter, Ajay Patel, come by. We spit the shit, shot the shit about the NFL draft, talked about some big picture things, a couple of individual prospects we like. We bounced around a bunch of different things. It's draft season. I got I got ideas, and I needed a sounding board, and Ajay was really good to come by and help. But before we get to today's show, I do have to remind everybody, number one, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, all the major podcasting platforms. The show is available there. Number two, if you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave the show a review. On Apple Podcasts, you're going to scroll past our recent episodes. There's going to be five clear purple stars on the bottom. Hit the one furthest to the right. That's a five-star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. If you are so inclined, please leave the, few wor- the show a few words. It would be greatly appreciated. Any feedback you give content creators is good. We need engagement. Engagement is the life's blood of content creators. Leave the show reviews, please. Please, please. Today's show, really good talk. A lot of different football topics. We bounce around between NFL ideas, college football ideas, in relation to the draft, a bunch of other things. Really fun episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. I'll see you guys on the other side of the drop. And with that, I'm very happy to welcome to the show for the first time one of the smarter people I've come across on football Twitter. And that's saying something, because football Twitter's nerds have kind of concentrated themselves very well and insulated their bubble to the point now where we've kind of got it figured out where nobody gets in. And once people come in, they're kind of happy. Ajay Patel, how we doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on. And uh, to speak to that Twitter football circle you talked about, that's definitely true. I'm pretty surprised I was able to make it out, honestly. But, uh, yeah, no, happy to talk about some football today. Yeah, I mean, the draft is great because even the professionals don't really know anything, which is why this time of year is so much fun, because they're just guessing like the rest of us. So there really isn't any gospel to live by. Yeah, no, I mean, like, when everyone says it's a crapshoot, like, it is quite literally a crapshoot. Like, sure, you can have guys you like and, like, oh, yeah, this guy's a first-rounder. But, like, differentiating between, like, the 10th or 11th pick, like, people have no idea what they're doing. I forget who wrote a study who just did a who is still on the same team that drafted them a first round picks, but it's usually about a third, usually about a third of first round picks yeah. on the second contract with the team that drafts them. And that's, you know, 20 out of 32. That's a lot of guys who don't assign a second contract. So it definitely gets into this weird space where everybody's guessing. I mean, I went back and was doing research and was watching older ones on YouTube and just listening to Mike Mayock talk about random people who I forgot were in the league. So everybody's guessing. It's a very fun time of year. Yeah. Yeah. So starting with the very obvious, the big idea, what we all, the draft is always oriented around quarterbacks. It always has been. It always will be because it's the most important position in the sport. To you, when a draft is like this, where there's no clear cut guy at that position, what does that do to your mindset in terms of thinking about the draft as a big picture? Yeah, I mean, like, so I think you have to break it down into, like, well, do I need a quarterback or do I not need a quarterback? So I think, like, you have a couple obvious teams this year, like the Steelers, the Panthers. There's a guy's, like, 
they need quarterbacks. Like you can't go into another season with Sam Darnold and you can't start Mitch Trubisky. Um, just can't. So I think like if you're one of those two teams, right, it makes more sense to like, all right, how do I differentiate between these guys? I think that's where you have to start thinking of some of like the bigger picture stuff with like team scheme, uh, what you saw from them in college, their traits, something like that. You can't just say like, all right, we like this guy as a whole better than this guy. So we're going to go with this guy. Um, he has to fit better in your system. So I think, I think that's how I'd approach it if I was like one of those two teams. But that being said, yeah, this class isn't much to write home about. And I think most teams have realized that. So, yeah, that's my take on it for now, I guess. I, I always come back to the EJ Manuel, Jake Lockers, those guys who get drafted way too high just because the teams need one. And Willis is interesting. I mean, we we haven't really seen an FCS guy with that kind of profile. I mean, Trey Lance kind of, but that was only one real season, and he didn't really have a long season there once a couple years ago. But the FCS guys are always interesting because it always comes back to, do you want production? Do you want traits? How does quality of competition matter? There are so many things you have to account for at quarterback, especially because it is such an important position. And it's really hard to tell how guys are going to translate from one to another. I mean, I thought Trevor Lawrence would be fine going to Jacksonville and then I realized they had no idea what they were doing with him so he wasn't fine last year yeah I think well speaking of that at least I think situation matters a lot more than we yes. made it out to be um I think like we saw with like the Giants us right they drafted Daniel yeah. Jones to one of the shittiest situations in football <laughs> and we saw what happened um that was pretty like anyone could have seen that coming um, I think with the Bears last year when they traded up for Justin Fields, I love Justin Fields, but man, that roster is rough yeah. and they don't have any avenues to improve it really, which is kind of the sucky thing. So you're basically throwing away almost, you know, the first two years of a guy's contract. And it's like, you can't tell anything about him because he's playing in such a bad situation, um, which kind of sucks, but that's how it is. And I don't know, like, I get the whole idea of like, if you like a guy, you should take him. But at the same time, you really just can't force it, I think. Yeah. And that's kind of come to light in the more recent years to me. Do you think you, if there's a guy you like, you have to go up and get them? Or in a draft like this, is that how you get into trouble? Is, all right, we're the Saints. We're going to go up to six to the Giants second, seven, the Giants second pick because Malik Willis is there. Is that how you get in trouble? Throwing all your eggs in a basket like that? Or are you of the opinion that if you love a guy, you got to go get him, especially a quarterback? Yeah, so I think I think with that, it comes down to the type of guy you're looking at. Um, not to get, like, kind of nerdy here, but like just looking at, like, from a probability outcome, right? So if I'm trading up, I'm throwing away a lot of assets right there. So I have to be confident the guy I'm trading up for can actually get me to that elite tier outcome, you know? Like, I'm not going to trade up for a guy like Kenny Pickett. That, yeah. that doesn't get you anywhere, you know? Um, so I think if it's a guy, like, you're falling in love with, like, a Willis type, right? I can completely understand wanting to trade up for a guy like him. If it's a guy like Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral, even I can't fully get behind trading up for a guy like that. Yeah. I I'm in agreement with you. I've uh, shield Capadia wrote about this in the athletic the other day. Um, it's never been easier to get an average quarterback ever. Like Teddy Bridgewater is going to keep doing this one year thing. Baker is going to fall into that class. Mitch is that kind of guy. If you want exactly. average quarterback, you can get an average quarterback without giving up a ton. I mean, Sam yeah. Arnold got a premium return, but that's the, you can get an average guy for not a lot. So to go out and give a first round pick, which is a premium asset for that kind of guy, doesn't really make a ton of sense. Yeah. I mean, like we saw with, 
I like to go back to Jameis a lot. Yeah. He can get you to that top, you know, ten, top 10 quarterback play. And I'm pretty sure the contract he signed with the Saints was like, I want to say it was two years, 20 million or something like that. Two years, 30. Yeah. Which, you know, that's a perfectly reasonable deal for a guy like him. So, yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. The Saints especially, now that I mentioned, now that they did sign Jameis, I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. But that's just me. Where do you fall on the span of what you need the X best quarterback in the league to be truly competitive? Because this is always the eternal discussion. Is it Derek Carr? Is it Kirk Cousins? Where in that scope of slightly above average, but not great guys, do you think is yeah, the cutoff point? Because yeah. that's where all these teams are, are living if you don't have a Mahomes, right. Rodgers, yeah, so I think after watching the past couple of years of football, it's definitely not Kirk Cousins. You got to be a little um, better than that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the thing I think, though, like the guy like Derek Carr, for example, I think we're going to tell in like a year or two now, given that they traded for Devontae Adams now, we're going to be able to see if they can win with a guy like him. Um, spoiler, I don't think they can just because of the competition they have in that division. It's insane. Um, I'll say like if you can get a guy like – top 10 quarterback i think that's where like matt stafford was kind of regarded yeah. before he got traded to the rams right if that's fair top 12 maybe um and we saw mcveigh knew exactly what he was going to do with him had a game plan executed it flawlessly and it worked out so i think i'll say you can win with like a top 10 top nine quarterback it's just a really low likelihood that you do get it to all work out yeah so speaking big picture, we're, we're pretty much everybody's in agreement. Quarterback's the most important position. You got to nail that down. After that, it starts to get interesting because in today's league, you really only see three types of positions taken in that top 10. You see quarterbacks, you see tackles, if they're a blue chip tackle, and pass rushers. Those are really it. If there's a corner, every now and then you have a corner who's worthy of going top 10. Yeah, but do you think that we're kind of getting to a point now where we're losing the plot a little bit because we're so focused on trying not to mess up our draft picks or are you more of a this is where the game is going so this is what we need i think from like a fan just like pure chaos perspective you know you'd rather the first 10 out of 10 times but i do think it is where the game is starting to go and i think one thing we might start seeing a little more especially with like all the big wide receiver contracts that have been handed out this offseason uh, wide receivers going top 10. Yeah. Um, we saw that, you know, last year, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase. And I think it just makes sense because so if you do draft a wide receiver top 10, given how much that pay scale is increasing, you're going to be paying them like average wide receiver two type money. Right. And if you're sure of a guy like Jamar Chase coming out, for example, like, you know, he can be like a wide receiver one impact right away. Absolutely worth drafting a guy like him. But um, in terms of, like, beating the market and stuff like that, I think it is where the league's headed, where they're just going to keep concentrating on, like, those premium positions. Like, we've seen it with, like, for example, like, Tyler Lindebaum, right? Yeah. He was a consensus top 10 prospect, I want to say. Like, give it, like, four or five months ago. But now as you get closer to draft day, you know, more mock drafts are coming out, more people realizing, well, they're not just going to take a center that high. It just doesn't make sense for this team to do that. And hence him falling to, like, the end of the first round. So, yeah, I think it is trending that way. 
where do you how do you try and interpret news this time of year because i'm very much everything is bullshit like the trayvon walker buzz the thibodeau the thibodeau value diving the stingley value diving the jermaine johnson buzz that's happened the last couple of weeks i'm pretty much just skeptical of everything because everybody's leaking to each other to try and mess with player value yeah no um yeah it definitely depends on who it's coming from i want to say yeah. mainly so like if you for example the Jaguars thing with Walker, I think it's real just because of how much of an idiot their general manager is. Um, but like, for example, like I know you've seen it, I'm sure, with like the Giants, they're talking about Charles yeah. Cross a lot now, right? I don't buy into that too much right now, just because, you know, it's their first year GM, first year coach, never really lead to much with Buffalo. They also didn't really target guys like Cross in Buffalo, just like based on like physicality and like height, weight, that type of thing. If anything, they're more likely to take a guy like Evan Neal as of now. Um, I think it just depends on who it's coming out from, how plugged in a reporter is. So if it's like a team-specific reporter versus a guy like Adam Schefter, um, you know, I just think there's a lot of factors that go into it. But in the end, definitely take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah, I mean, the combine and the pro day stuff, it's kind of hard for me to take very seriously is like that's what's moving the needle as opposed to two years of tape or production like Trayvon Walker has no production uh, like granted on a really good team and a specific role but you're drafting on upside and the assumption that you're going to be able to manufacture production from him kind of like what the Ravens did with Odafe Owe last year where he had no sacks la but he ended up with I think seven and a half eight and a half last year in the Baltimore yeah. defense because they knew what they were doing with him by all means if you think you see something that other people don't, go ahead. But we've seen a lot of teams try and get cute, which is what happens yeah. when you draft for traits. Yeah. I, uh, like, speaking to, like, Walker, for example, I saw someone, I think they, like, gathered all, like, the pass rush win rate data from, like, PFF that they publish in their draft guides and stuff. And they just made, like, a big spreadsheet of, you know, applied, like, some color fil filters and stuff. And you see, like, Walker's, like, near the bottom of the pack he's not really up there and granted like you said some of that's the scheme he's mainly a run guy at georgia played less snaps outside than most of his other like uh edge rushers in this class but man like it's worth something you know how reliant can we be on a guy that didn't do it in college and i know another thing with georgia they ran stunts a lot last year like yeah. pass rusher stunts which in theory should lead to more pressures walker wasn't able to generate those you know so I don't know. It's interesting. Like, like you said, with like the Ravens, like if you see a guy, you know what you can do with him. You have a really good plan for him and you trust yourself, go for it by all means. But at some point you have to realize, are we really that much smarter than the public? Which I think yeah. is kind of a big debate with Walker right here. The, because we see this all the time. I mean, the big, the big one now is everybody's convinced if you have a quarterback who's inaccurate, he'll be, you can make him Josh Allen with a couple of years of development. That's yeah. the one, especially after the playoffs where Josh Allen went nuclear for that game against the Chiefs, everybody was pretty, okay, yeah, you take Malik Willis six and you'll figure it out. You can teach him how to be accurate. Josh Allen is like the outlier of all outliers of all outliers. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, that kind of leap from year two to year three where you go from, he was like a 58, 57% completion guy as a rookie. And now mid sixties, year three, year four, just that doesn't happen that we have never yeah. seen, literally never seen that before in the NFL. Yeah. I don't think people realize like how good the infrastructure around Allen was too, yes. you know, like he had an amazing play caller and table, a great head coach that knew how to get the most out of his guys, 
a good general manager, then you had to build a roster. They traded for a tier one wide receiver. They were able to get a couple slot guys for him to depend on, a couple of rookies and Gabe Davis that we saw start to come on last year. A very solid offensive line that, you know, while not might not have like any big names, some like first rounders, it's a great offensive line. They knew what they were doing. And how many teams can we say like have something like that now? You know, like the Panthers want to draft Malik Willis. The Panthers suck. Yeah. Like, you know, it, I don't know. Yeah. Just expecting that Josh Allen leap from any player in general, not even a quarterback, just any player is just like, it's like, what are we doing here? Football people are very convinced, over convinced of their own abilities. I mean, we see this year after year where teams will take a guy a couple picks of where they were expected. Everybody kind of looks at each other and says, all right, give it some time. And then you have the occasional ones like last year where Jacksonville took Etienne, Travis Etienne, 24th, 25th overall. And everybody right away was like, okay, yeah, they really don't know what they're doing here. The draft is a yeah. really good way. The draft is probably the purest way to understand how a front office thinks about talent and what they prioritize in a way they don't in any other thing because the draft they got carte blanche you take whatever you want their salary set that you can't offer more it's a really good way to see what teams prioritize and you saw jacksonville like i get it they wanted an extra speed guy because jacksonville was slow as shit last year that was a real problem for them (laughs) none of their receivers could get open i understand the point of getting at the end but when you have an undrafted running back who led the league in rushing yards the year before just telling the rest of the league i'm trent bulky and i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> yeah it was especially interesting just given like it came out like a couple days after the draft i think when uh urban said yeah we wanted Kadarius tony but we yeah. couldn't get him um that was really interesting uh but yeah i mean like with the jaguars for example they're like one of those teams that seems like they're always going against the trend recently i remember seeing like some wikipedia screenshot of just like they've been in the top 10 picks like nine out of 10 years or something since like 2012 I guess now and they've almost never drafted a good player like they've hit on like three of those nine (laughs) picks maybe um yeah and uh I mean like the Raiders for example too right with Mayock when he was there and Gruden obviously but like they were drafting guys like I remember Alex Leatherwood was like a consensus like mid second round pick I think it was yeah um and they took him at 17 or 16 or something like that uh damon arnett the corner who's out of the league now i'm pretty sure he was like a projected third round pick um cleveland farrell you know you can keep going with teams like this it's uh it's pretty interesting like you can it's pretty easy to identify i guess like some teams that just are lost they really have no clue what's going on there's some teams where you can chalk it up all right that's just bad luck on that pick it was good process and then there's teams like they're always killing the draft in your mind, who would you say has the draft science down? To me, I think Baltimore is clearly the best, one of, if not the best drafting team in the league. But if not them, Philadelphia is pretty good. I wouldn't say they're as good as football media likes to pretend they are, but the Eagles are pretty good. They, the Eagles are very good with process. They're not great with results, but you can see what they're trying to do. Yeah, um, I'll definitely agree with you on those two. Baltimore kills the draft. I remember... I think this year specifically, I know they've like stacked up picks in like the third yeah. or fifth rounds. I'm pretty sure it is this year. And a big thing, I think like Peter Schrager or someone was talking about it because of like the COVID year, people took an extra year of eligibility and stuff. The class has a lot more depth than usual. And these teams like the Ravens, for example, they're taking advantage of that. Um, I think the Eagles know what they're doing. Like you said, from a process standpoint, some of the actual picks haven't been as great. 
um, TBD on some of the other ones like Devonte Smith and such. But um, I think who else? I'm trying to think. The Chiefs, yeah, they're a decent team drafted. I feel like some of the picks last year kind of fell into their lap. Um, with Creed, for example, like yeah. I thought he was going to go early second round. I'm surprised he didn't. I thought Trey Smith would have gone earlier. I know he had the medical issues going on, so stuff like that. Then, you know, this is the same team that drafted Clyde in the first round. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I think the the Saints are also a team I like to bring up in that discussion. Uh, yeah. Maybe not from, like, a process standpoint, but from, like, the actual picks themselves. They know what they're doing. They always come out with a good class. Everyone goes back to, like, that class with, I think, Lattimore and, like, Marcus Williams in them. It's, like, an all-time class right there. Yeah. When you think about where the draft is now, do you kind of feel like we're over, we're overdoing it, the inundation of information that there's just it's impossible to know everything about everyone and that's kind of the problem right now is that all of football media is trying to give us information about 350 prospects in a month and a half. Yeah, no, I definitely think it is. Like I think there's a point where it's like, all right, what else can I do with this information? Yes. You know? Like yeah, it's like there's some stuff that I will say there's some stuff that's being done that is helpful information. Like I'm sure you've seen like the grinding the mocks database, yeah. for example, like that's actually helpful stuff, you know, to see like prospect trends, what teams are targeting, stuff like that. But then like, for example, when like an ESPN reporter comes out for, like the 29th time in 35 days, saying the New York giants have agreed to visit tight end Jelani woods or something like that. Yeah. That, what is that telling me? You know, like, Half the time, it's just like teams want to get a scouting report on a guy. Maybe they couldn't watch him. Maybe they don't have enough film on him for some reason. They want to get to know the guy. He's likely to get drafted by a rival or something like that. It's not always like, all right, yeah, we're going to draft this guy, and we're telling all of you, the media, we're telling you we want to draft this guy. Now go tell everyone. Uh, It's not – I don't think that's what's really happening there. Do you think it would be humanly possible to do a worse job in the draft than Dave Gettleman did the four years he was the Giants general manager? Because I was arguing this with my dad the other day because he's constantly doing the, well, you know, you're 25. You're not an NFL general manager type thing. They know they have more information than you. And I'm, I could not have done a worse job just purely on who I would have taken. I could, the trades, the free agency, the contracts. Okay, fine. But the draft, come on, man, these just a total, not making any sense in the decision-making at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think anyone could have done a better job than he did. I don't know if you've seen like, have you seen like the website, uh, Walter football? Yeah. I think they could have done a better job than Gettleman. <laughs> Which, you know, that's really saying something. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Gettleman just had no direction, no process, no nothing was going on in his head. I remember, like, when everyone, like, that picture of, like, his draft setup came out where it's, like, yeah. that big binder of, like, paper. And everyone's like, oh, don't judge him. Like, it's just a binder, you know. He probably has computers in the background or something. He did not. He, yeah, I don't know. He, uh, it was definitely an interesting, what, four years he spent with the Giants felt like 10 yeah. it felt like 10 it did it did yeah and the worst thing is they would leak what they wanted to do like a month before <laughs> the draft he'd be talking yeah we're gonna take this guy we feel good about it and then everybody yeah. knows and they have no leverage for anything <laughs> like two weeks before the draft it's yeah they're taking saquon great great yeah, now we have to smile yeah, through yeah. this and pretend this is fine. <laughs> or the andrew thomas draft where i'll be honest they did they i heard wills was the guy they wanted at four but they ended yeah. up with andrew thomas which seems all right andrew thomas seems like the one first round yeah. pick who's going to be okay yeah, I mean, like, granted, I wasn't as, like, online and stuff back then 
just because like my age which thankfully i guess um but uh yeah i remember like last year especially like no one predicted a trade bet yeah um no i don't really think anyone saw that coming even with like tony too i don't think many people talked about drafting tony i think i will say like i think when judge came on i think he became the general manager yes. like the de facto general manager i've like, heard you that saw like a sh- I've heard that from a few people who are adjacent to the Giants that they kind of part of the deal of Dave getting to stay was that Judge was going to have more of a say in personnel yeah, decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like you definitely saw like a big yeah. like shift in just like drafting philosophy and stuff like that. But um, yeah, and like the one guy, this is what every Giants fan should be the most mad about. I think the one guy Gentleman was in love with, Justin Herbert, is he the one take. guy that panned out and he didn't take you know it's like uh you can't win with him no it feels good to know that even if everything goes horrendously long at least i think the giants have a plan now that is kind of where i'm at at least i understand there's a plan the last four years like you said there was no plan it was what can i do to put out this fire right now and buy myself another 10 minutes to make another decision yeah yeah i mean like even like during like the general manager search I'll like granted like Shane wasn't my first choice, but that also like doesn't mean like he was a bad choice by any means. And I think just like picking smart football guys from organizations that have had success is a process that's really hard to mess up, you know? Yeah. And I think even like Shane did that, like he plucked uh, I think his name Brandon Brown, right? Like the Eagles yeah. guy. He's like the assistant GM for the Giants now. And I'm like, you're building something there, you know? Like there's clearly you have some sense of what you're doing. You're not just like hiring all your buddies and like stuff like that to be with you in the office. Um, so I think like, yeah, I, I think I'm at peace. Like you said, with the giants, like even if the next few years do go horrendous, it looks a lot better than it has in the past, which we couldn't say three, four years ago. So that's something at least. Where are you at on the priorities for what they do in the draft? Cause I'm of the opinion that basically they need so many things. It would be impossible to mess this up. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm with you, I think. I definitely want – I think the main thing I care about, rather, like, as opposed to, like, the five or the seven picks. I know, like, we've talked about that so much, you know. It's, like, hard to mess that up at this point. I want them to draft a wide receiver. I think that's my biggest thing right now. Just because Galladay, I have no clue if he's going to be on the team next year just because all that money comes off the books. Um, Shepard is – I love Shep, but, you know, he's old and the contract's pretty iffy at this point. Canary's Tony hasn't showed up, which I think people are still reading into too much, but you know, that's never a good sign. And um, who's left? Well, it'd be Canary's Tony. It'd just yeah. be him. And yeah. Yeah. So I think they need a draft receiver, whether that's at 36 or in the third round, either or I'm fine with given the depth of the class. But I think a wide receiver should be on their priority list pretty high. Um, I will say a quarterback looks to be a big need right now, especially with bradbury most likely you know 99.9 percent getting traded and uh yeah i mean like tackle edge rusher all that stuff just kind of remains a constant need for the giants right now so yeah it's more like what positions do they not need at this point you know honestly the only one i can say is left tackle and that's if andrew thomas is healthy other than that you could put anybody on this team and i i wouldn't complain yeah no no, i'm perfectly with you The real thing is, and I was talking about this with somebody the other day, 
you have to draft thinking about like two years from now. That's the big thing is you're not just drafting for what you need right now. You got to draft ahead. And like you said, Galladay is probably not going to be on the team after this season. You're probably looking at Shep not being on the team after this season. A lot of the guys on that defense who came back and took pay cuts probably won't be on the team next season. And they have to turn over basically an entire roster. Like when a new coach comes into a college program and he has to get 30 new scholarship guys in three straight seasons. So he has his team. That's the kind of yeah. process the Giants are looking at now. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see, like, just how much they draft on, like, the offense side of the ball this year, especially yeah. if, you know, like, everyone keeps talking about, like, oh, they want to draft a quarterback in 2023. If they do want to do that, they need to draft a lot of guys on offense this year. It's just yeah. how it is. Because not only are you going to have limited picks next year because you're taking a quarterback, you're most likely going to have to trade up for that quarterback, yeah. which is going to take even more picks away from that. Um, which being said, I haven't really heard anything like saying like concretely like, oh, the Giants want the 2023 20, quarterback. I think it's kind of just what everyone's assuming at this point, yeah. which, you know, fair. Um, but, yeah, I think this year it'll be interesting. I don't think they're going to try to compete at all this year with the roster. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely more like I wouldn't be surprised if you see a couple like projection guys, you know, that yeah. might have like that raw skill set everyone talks about, but they could turn it into something like their second or third year. Aside from the Giants, what team is really intriguing to you from what they're going to do with their draft? I feel like the obvious answers here are the Saints and the Eagles, just because the okay. two first-round picks they hold back-to-back. Yeah. -back. But for me, I think it's the Chargers. Okay. Because um, – Football nerd Twitter's no, favorite team. <laughs> favorite team, the LA Chargers. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I want to see if they draft a receiver at 17. I want them because, to take Jamison Williams so fucking bad. I want them yeah, to take Jamison Williams yeah, so bad. That'd be awesome. If it's Williams or uh, – I think it's Olive. Olave, I don't know how to pronounce Olave, it. Olave, yeah, Chris um, Olave. Olave, okay, yeah, thank you. Um, one of those two would be awesome. And I think, so not only would it be you get three awesome playmakers on your team for this year, I think Keenan Allen probably goes to a new team after yeah. this year, like the year after, just because they need money. They only have, I think it's 29 guys on the roster for next year, and they only have $8 million in cap space as of now for that year, which is, you know, definitely not what you want. Um no. Yeah, no. So it'd be because everyone I know a lot of people fell in love with the idea of Jordan Davis to the Chargers, too, because that's what Staley's scheme, you know, needs like a big nose tackle like that. It'd be interesting. So do they go Davis or do they go wide receiver? That's probably one of my biggest questions right now. They're a fascinating team because they have been horrendously run for most of my life and they still manage to be competitive for the most part. And I don't really understand how, I mean, yeah, it helped having Phillip rivers mask all your problems forever. Yeah. And then Justin Herbert just kind of falls out of the sky into an elite talent. Then nobody really saw, I mean, I'll be honest. I went back and I watched all of the Oregon tape. He didn't make 50 yard throws down the hashes at Oregon. That was not in the offense. Yeah. I didn't really see yeah. this coming from anywhere. The Chargers are fascinating because you think about Derwin James is great. Asante Samuel Jr. has been pretty good. The linebacker they took is pretty bad. Kenneth Murray, he's pretty he's pretty mediocre. Yeah, but, yeah. Fascinating. They traded up for a Murray too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like why? You know, like oh, I think trading up for a linebacker is dumb. Linebacker is not never a never position. works out. Yeah, yeah. It it never works out. But I think with like I don't know. It'll be interesting because, like, this is their, like, prove-it year, you know? Yeah. You don't get many years with, like, 
a core of a roster like they have. And you saw like they went on in, went all in. They traded for Cleo Mack, signed JC Jackson. Like, man, if Brandon Staley doesn't figure it out, he's gonna be under a fire. And the old people rightfully. are rooting on his downfall so hard. <laughs> the old people are you would have thought this man like i i don't even know what like what's the worst thing a football co- like there were people less upset when the maryland football coach got that kid killed because they didn't call nine one one than what things brandon staley did last year i don't yeah. understand i do not understand why trying new things is so bad you would think this yeah. is a sport you're trying something that other people haven't done before you'd be praised for being creative and trying to find a different way to win yeah it just it's frustrating because we know this is the way. Literally, we know you're more likely to score points doing these things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like people don't want to adapt. But like we've yeah. been through that so many times where the question becomes like, why aren't they adapting to like how can we get them to adapt? And I don't know. It's I feel like that's a lot more concentrated topic and I will say, like, one thing I think that'll go a long way. I know, like, in baseball, they started this a lot more, where, like, the broadcast itself starts yeah, to, like, you know, drop in nuggets and stuff like that. Exactly, yeah, stuff like that. I feel like that's pretty helpful. Um, but, yeah, football especially, just because, like, the culture and, like, how people were raised about around it. Like, myself, I never played football, so I'm not too familiar with it. But, like, just not based on like, what you hear about it. It's, like, you know, the whole big word, tone setter um you know it's a culture like you got to be uh involved in the sport and stuff like that and i don't know i guess people are scared of losing that maybe um yeah it's yeah it's a weird like psychological thing that just like happens to take over these guys brains all right so on a more uplifting note who are your guys (laughs) who in this draft is i want this guy who are you just excited to see how they translate to the league yeah i'll say uh I think Derek Stingley is the best player in the draft. Okay, um, spicy. I'm still yeah. I still believe in Stingley. I I still believe in Stingley. Yeah, no, I'm I don't know. I don't want to say I feel confident in that cuz in the end I know nothing compared to everyone else, but um I don't know. I feel like if Stingley had his 2019 year in 2020, we'd be viewing him in a complete, completely different light. And last year I know people bring up like his numbers were down a lot. He played through injury. Um, so, you know, it's like, what do you really expect out of a guy like that? Um, yeah, definitely like Derek Singley a lot. I think him and Gardner, I don't even think they should be in the same discussion, honestly. I feel like it's more like a, well, maybe, man, maybe the same discussion, like a 1A, 1B type yeah. thing, as opposed to like 1A, 1A. Um, I like uh, Olave a lot, like we talked about earlier. Um, Pierre Strong, uh, late round running back. I like him a lot. He's a more just like a guy that knows what he has to do on a football team. He has a very specific like pass catching third down back type role. I think I saw, I want to say one of the PFF guys comped into like a James White type player, which I I feel like every NFL, you know, yeah, Yeah. which like every NFL team can use. And then I'll say like, honestly, just like any mid round receiver in this draft class. Oh yeah. Just you know, just because of, like, the death, like we talked about, the COVID year, a lot of guys are coming out late. I don't know. It's just so rich there where you can find almost, like, a day one starter right in the third or fourth round. Yeah, every team in college going to a spread offense means that every single relevant school has two or three cal- NFL caliber guys now. Right. So you really will find day one starters in 
the third day of the draft, which is crazy to think about because receiver has always been kind of fickle where we've seen teams go on these weird runs and guys get overdrafted or underdrafted. There are some guys where I go back and look and I'd, I'll look at the college production. I'll look at the tape and I'll just, I don't see it when they take certain guys too high. This draft is really interesting because there's a lot of guys who are pretty good. Like Drake London, pretty good. Chris Olave, pretty good. Jamison Williams, pretty good. None of these guys are a Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson type guy, yeah, which yeah, is going to yeah. be jarring for some people after what we've seen the last two years. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, just like from a who I want perspective, I guess, I think Drake London should go after Williams, Olave. I, I, I would say Wilson, but I just don't know enough about him. So I don't want to like, say something, you know, I'm not educated about. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I watched, like, a couple games of London. Granted, I'm not the biggest, like, film I know what I'm doing type guy. But I don't know. I just didn't really see it with London, Um, I'll be honest. Um, I'm sure he's going to be a great NFL player just based on what everyone else has said about him. But, um, yeah, I definitely – I think Williams makes a lot of sense for almost any NFL team. Like, if he didn't have that Achilles – I'd say he's like a locked in top 12 pit, um, top 10, maybe. Um, Olave, too, is just everyone talks about it. his route running was insane at Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, okay. Would love to hear your guys, though. Stingley was one of the guys I wanted to touch on because specifically, I did go back and watch stuff from the 2019 season. And yeah. He was just so fucking good, man. I mean, you think a 19-year-old yeah. is the number one corner on a team playing an SEC West schedule, just the quality of competition, really good games against good competition. And Blue Chip, he was, I think, the sixth prospect in the entire country coming out of high school. Mm -hmm. So everybody's kind of expected him to be the guy whenever he was going to be able to come out. And the last two years, he's gotten hurt. He's played hurt. He's yeah. been hurt. He's been on bad teams. The COVID year kind of messed with everybody, so I'm not really holding that against anyone. But definitely very high on Stingley. I'm very high on Gardner. So, granted, the Cincinnati quality of comp is not really great compared to what the SEC teams played. He was fine against Jameson Williams in the playoff game. That's kind mm, of how the yeah. barometer – He everything was underneath. He he kept Jameson Williams in front of him. That's a pretty good measuring stick of understanding a corner's ability. For sure, yeah. The, the one I'm curious about is Johnson, the Florida State pass rusher, because explosive, not a ton of production at Florida State. He la he transferred from Georgia to Florida State, so he would actually get some playing time because he wasn't getting playing time on the Georgia defense. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of guy that some team is going to take between 10 and 17. And I'm just fascinated because last year, the guy everybody was kind of curious about was Jalen Phillips because he took the year off from football because he had pretty bad concussion issues, came back, went to Miami, had really good production playing opposite Gregory Rousseau. And then he was fine last year, kind of getting his feet wet in the league. Jermaine Johnson, one of the guys I'm very interested in. I'm interested in the two linebackers in the first round because we're kind of at a weird point at li where linebackers are prioritized. And the last couple ones we've seen go in the first round haven't been great. Lloyd and Nicobe yeah. Dean, both pretty good. I mean, the Nicobe Dean tape is awesome to watch. He is mm -hmm. one of the fastest linebackers I've ever seen. I think Devin Lloyd is better, though. Yeah, that's a, definitely fair. I mean, like, the thing with Dean I've seen mentioned is, like, 
he's an awesome football player, but is his size going to translate mainly? Yes. Because I'm pretty sure he's, what, like 5'11", I think, yeah. maybe 5'10". So not too sure about that. Devin Lloyd looks awesome too. Uh, you know, no real complaints with him. But, like, if I was a team looking for a linebacker this year, I would not want to be that team that takes the first linebacker. Yes. You know, just because, like, I think the depth of the linebacker class, again, this is, like, a big theme for the whole draft class. The depth is great. Like, I think your chances of taking a guy, like, in the second round, like a Quay Walker, for example, as opposed to, like, Lloyd, top 10, I think you're going to find more success taking a guy like Walker there. Um which, I don't know, it's not to speak that, you know, Lloyd's a bad football player. It's just that's kind of where it goes back to, like, playing the numbers, playing the charts, stuff like that. Where are you at on Kyle Hamilton? Because this is one of the things a lot of people where <laughs> this just comes down to what you think about football, really, Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, no, um, I will say I would not be upset if the Giants drafted him at seven. I think that's yeah. where I'm at right now. Um, I love Kyle Hamilton. I think he's going to be a great football player. I just think so many people have PTSD from Jamal Adams. Yes. I think that's the biggest thing that people are kind of scared of him um, in that sense. But I mean, I think like, I'll say like, I think his floor is like, I think Washington picks at 13, right? I think that's his floor. I don't think he gets past 13. Um, I think like one interesting like litmus type thing, like you mentioned, uh, does Kyle Hamilton go before Jermaine Johnson? Yeah. You know, because I feel like that's going to be where you just see like, all right, well, teams really value like the athleticism, the traits over like what actually happened on the football field. Um, so that'll be pretty interesting, I think. I'm still high on Linderbaum, man. I know he got hurt in the, in the bowl game. I know I was very high. I was really high on Creed Humphrey last year. I thought there were a lot of teams who could have used him. I thought the Jets should have yeah. taken him at 22 because the Jets needed offensive line help desperately and still do. But Linderbaum, I mean, anybody who wrestles in high school and then wrestles in college and still plays football, that's the kind of guy I want playing offensive line because that just pure athleticism. So much yeah. athleticism. Yeah. I. I don't get it with Linderbaum either. I mean, so many people were talking about him as a top 10 pick where it's just like, why isn't he being talked about as a top 10 pick anymore? Um, I guess a big part of that is just kind of fatigue from mock drafters, from NFL fans where, you know, you want to start talking about new people and that kind of reflects in like the trends itself. Um, but yeah, like I know the big debate a lot of people had a while ago was like, should the Giants take Linderbaum with one of their picks? And at first, I don't know, I was for it, but now given like how much we've seen like the contract scaling affecting teams now, especially with wide receivers um, and the Giants by no means have cap space. They, yeah. They're in the gutter, yeah. So I guess I'm, I'm not like opposed to it, but I'm more on like the anti-drafting him side as opposed to draft him just because like where we are as a team. I will say, like, whichever team drafts Linderbaum is getting an all-pro player. I don't yes. feel like that's a hot take at all. Um, yeah. I feel like somehow he's going to end up going to the Eagles, and we're going to be on the wrong side of it for, like, the next 10-plus years. Um, that would be very fitting for the Eagles. Well, no, because they drafted Landon Dickerson to be the heir to Jason Kelsey. So that's true. Maybe that's not true, Linderbaum. Actually, yeah. I hope not. I really Could, hope uh, not. I think Dickerson can play guard, though. Yeah, he's that's what he did last year. I mean, they yeah. could just they could do that. I mean, that would be a very Eagles thing to do. They got to replace Lane Johnson though, because he's getting that's old true. now. Yeah, they do have to do that. I, yeah, I do. What do you think Linderbaum's floor is? Like, who do you think in he doesn't 
full pass? It's hard because center is such a weird position where if there's is, one yeah. taken in the first round, that's kind of like a lot. Like I think mm-hmm. the Vikings took one a couple of years ago. Garrett but, Bradbury, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mid, I think it's got to be one of the Eagles picks. I think that's real. Okay. Because the Eagles live to draft offensive linemen. I mean, there's a reason the Eagles, yeah. the Eagles have such a high floor because they've got good infrastructure. They can rush the passer mm-hmm. and they can run block. If you can do those yeah. two things, you can win seven games with not very good quarterback play. So even if Jalen Hurts doesn't take the leap, which he probably won't, they can just drop whoever behind that offensive line next year and they'll be right back in the mix. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, like, see, before I would have said it's like the <coughs> oh, my bad. I would have said it's the Bengals. Um, but now I've seen so much coming out from like that side saying they're gonna target like a three-tech defensive lineman there. Just because they let uh, what's Cox his name? Walk, yeah, yeah, and um, I think the guy's name Larry Ogunjobi. I think it was the defensive yeah. tackle from the Bengals, right? Um, he went to the well. I don't. Did he end up signing with the Bears? I don't I think, think he so. Did. Uh, I not. don't know off the top of my head. Good radio. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, no, he's still a free agent, but um, nonetheless, they let him walk. There, I don't think they have any intention of bringing him back. And their defense does rely on like a three tech guy. So I know I've seen like a lot of people saying they're going to target a three tech guy at 31, which I thought would have been a perfect spot for Linderbaum to like end his skid to, you know, um, if he does in fact skid, I guess like the Eagles picks make sense. I know I saw a couple of people like mock him to like the Ravens and stuff like that, yeah. which um makes sense. I think they need to tackle more personally yes. just because Ronnie Stanley can barely stay healthy and they don't have a solution to the other tackle spot. Um, yeah, no, Linderbaum's slide, like, I don't want to say a slide because he's a really good football player and doesn't deserve to slide. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where he ends up going. The last thing I want to touch on before we kind of start wrapping up here, where are you at on the, the three, four offensive linemen? Because they all are good at different things. Between Neil, Aquanu, um, the Northern Iowa guy, um, Charles Corrales, and the Northern Iowa guy whose last name I forget, Penner, I think. Penning, Penning, Penning like, yeah, yeah, Penning. Yeah, Penning. Where are you at on those guys? Because they're all good at different things. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see where they go. Because if you're drafting for traits, if you're drafting for fit, because I want the Giants to get a Quanu, because they need somebody who can just fucking block. I'm so tired of nobody getting any push. I need an yeah. offense, an ath- offensive lineman with some athleticism. Yeah. No, um, I'm with you. I think. I think my main thing is like I'm higher on cross, I guess, compared to okay. most people, just because I know he's a plug and play starter from day one. And like he was one of the like top five pass protector in the country last year, yeah. which um that speaks for something, you know. And I know people have concerns. Well, like how much more can he max out athletically, which is a big thing. Like it's a fair concern. I'm not saying like, you know, glance over that. But um, I think like, again, it's kind of like the whole Hutchinson, Walker, Thibs debate. We've seen what a guy can do. Trust them to do it again, as opposed to bank on something like you don't know. Um, um, so I think like I'd go like Neil, uh, Ekwonu, like you mentioned, and Cross, like all like that tier one group of guys. I think I'm lower on Penning than most people. Um, some of that's probably just like my bias, but I don't know. Just the way he plays kind of just like annoys me. And I saw like the, everyone talks about like, oh, he's like a nasty offensive tackle. Like, what does that mean? You know, it's 
I don't know. Um, I think like for example, like he's closer to a guy like uh, I know Tyler Smith from Tulsa has shot up the board a lot yeah. past couple of days. Um, Bernhard, Bernhard, uh, Bernhard Ryman, like the European dude from Central Michigan. Um, I think like those guys might be more comparable to like where Penning should get drafted. I think he'll go a lot higher than that. Like I'll say like the Saints. I think I think they take one tackle there, whether that's Penning or Cross. Um, that'll be interesting to see, you know, who it is, but I think like same thing with the tackle class, like there's still a lot of depth to be had, yeah. you know, you don't need to like bank on one of those guys at the start of the class, like uh, guys like Smith, you mentioned uh, Raymond from Europe, uh, the big dude from Minnesota, Falale, I think his last yeah. name is, he's like six, eight playing offensive tackle, which is insane. Um, offensive Ohio state tackle. Petit Frere, I think that his name is. There's a lot of depth in this class too, you know? So I think it's, it'll be interesting to see how like the top guys shake out. But I think you will see like a lot of teams be like, we don't want to draft the first guy off the board, which that'll be interesting. It's not an elite class. It's not going to have a lot of all pros. There's going to be a lot of, there might actually be more than 10 second contracts in this draft. I think that's yeah. the barometer of a, a quality draft class at this point and where we are, because there's just so much fluidity now in the rosters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a very fair point. Um, How many second year contracts or second contracts do you think the quarterbacks get though from this class? I'll say one. That's fair. Yeah. I'll say actually, one. If you, yeah. If you just like play the numbers, I think you're bound to come out with like at least one quarterback, you know? Um, the I one saw, I would take a dart on is Howell. Howell is the one, if you told me the Giants took him like 34, whatever their second mm-hmm. round pick is, I could buy that. If you told me you wanted to sit Sam Howell for a year and kind of see what you had, because the traits aren't bad. He's pretty athletic, decent arm strength. He did get left to die last year. All of his good yeah. players went to the league and he was the only playmaker in that offense and he got his brain bashed in for it yeah i know uh i saw one thing i think it's from one of the pff guys they did like a study on just like uh the sack ratio a lot of these quarterbacks uh so like having uh college and like how that translates to the nfl which is like that was a big problem for justin fields coming out yes you know he took a lot of sacks and he still did last year in the nfl so i know the big two guys this year that suffered from that Malik Willis and Sam Howell, like you mentioned. Yes. So I know people like the traits there. It's going to be interesting to see if they can beat the whole, can I fix how I play under pressure type thing. I feel like that's going to be pretty interesting. Um, I feel like Desmond Ritter is just like a classic, like film guys love him, but no one else really knows what to think about him. Kind of just goes along with the film guys as a result. Um, Like, I feel like for some reason, the Titans are going to take him. I can't explain it. I don't really know why. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't know. I'd say I'm with you, though. Probably, like, one quarterback gets a second contract this year. All right. The last question I have for you, and this is the default question I ask everybody around this time of year about the draft. Who will be the most improved based on what they do at the draft? What team will be the best based on what they do? I think the answer has to be the Eagles or the Saints. It could be the Jets if you wanted to make an argument for the Jets. I think they're in the mix. Which of those three would you say? Or is it somebody off of the board from those three? I like that question a lot. Um, From those three, I'd say – so in terms of, like, process setting them up wide, like setting them up for the draft, I'd say it went Eagles, Jets, Saints, right? Yeah. But I think after that, like, in terms of who's actually going to come out the best, just based on, like, player personnel department, stuff like that, I'll go Saints, Jets, Eagles in terms of, like, the players themselves. Um, 
I feel like, though, the team that's going to come out in the best spot after the whole draft is the Kansas City Chiefs, just like okay. how improved they're going to become. Yeah, I think those two first-round picks are big for them. I also know they have a lot of, like, uh, mid-round picks, like we talked about with the Ravens earlier, they're targeting. And, you know, that's not a team with too many holes at this point because it's Patrick Mahomes. How many holes can you have on a football team? Um, but, yeah, I think they'll go for, like, a secondary guy. I know Jalen – Petre or uh, again, yeah. I don't know how to say a last name. Um, he was like a big target they're talking about with him. They got Gordon. the Georgia guy, the Lewis Klein. Yeah, is Lewis, up there. yeah, yeah. That guy's amazing. He's so yeah, good. Oh, what I saw, um, right after I think the pro day, one of the stats people I follow just made like a athletic profile card. He was like 90th mm-hmm. percentile in like every so single good. trait. So and he's like 5'11, 195 pounds, <laughs> and he's a mutant athlete. Right, that whole Georgia defense, man. I don't know. That's like Georgia, once every like they're gonna seven guys are gonna get drafted from that def, from that eleven. Seven yeah. of the eleven starters are gonna get drafted, yeah. and uh, they won a national title with the worst quarterback to win a national <laughs> title in seven years. And yeah. Georgia's gonna run it back with Stetson Bennett again, and it's not gonna go well because they won't have no. the best defense in the history no. of football. Yeah, I mean, like I never really followed college football like as much as I started to last year, I guess, and the Georgia defense being like one of the first things I kind of really got myself introduced to, man, that's like, that's crazy. Um, They were like one, it's like once every hundred years, maybe you'll see that type yes. of defense coming at you. Right. Yeah. I mean, like they have guys like Channing Tindall, like Quay Walker, right? Like those are yeah. like mid round linebackers. You can watch like any game from their like season last year. You'll see it like least like five impact plays from like every single one of them on that team which is and that's where we're going you have to have a full rotation of guys i mean you think about what the 49ers are doing in the playoffs last year where they were getting heat with four guys with people i had never heard of people who were fourth and fifth round picks and they Mm -hmm. would rotate out nick bosa four or five plays and then he'd go back in you need to have the depth and that's one of the things the jets were talking about is they want to do that because Mm Salah believes in that because he comes from that san francisco deep I'm very high on everything the Jets did in the offseason, and I think if they have a good draft, the Jets might actually be a 7-8 win team, which would be, like, a real accomplishment considering how bad that team was two years ago. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree with you. I think the one thing that's interesting for them, though, is, like, this is Douglas's third year as general manager, right? So if he – it's, like, unfair just because of how good the AFC is, right? But if he doesn't make the playoffs this year, like – when does that leash start to shorten for a guy like him, you know? Because, like, the process and everything has been great there. They yeah. not much to complain about. I'd say, like, the one move he made that, like, I wouldn't do if I was him was, like, trading up for, like, Elijah Barrett Tucker. Yeah. Um, but, like, other than that, you know, there's not much to complain about there. This culture, culture, the buzzword and stuff, it, it all seems great there. You know, not much to complain about. It's, but, like, you got to make the playoffs at some point, though, you know, to, like, get a second contract as a general manager, which um, I guess that'll be interesting. But to your point earlier, like you said, about uh, the rotation of guys you need to have, that might be one of the reasons the Chargers fail to succeed this year. Yeah. You know, because they're putting so much of their money into, like, these top-end guys where, like, football is a 53-man sport. It's not just, like, you know, basketball where you can have, like, two guys making $40 million a year and carrying a playoff roster. Um. I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that comes back to hurt the Chargers in that. It's funny because one of my my one of my best friends, he's a Chargers fan, and we were talking about it specifically. We were talking about Joey Bosa because he comes off a lot 
because he's first and second. He's dead by third down, and yeah. that's when you need him is third down, and there's just nobody else to go in, and that's a yeah. real problem. They were playing guys like – I forget who it was, but, like, their backup nose tackles last year got a lot of run. And, man, those were, like, some of the worst football players you'll ever see, you know? And, like, their backup uh, – what was it? The dude, uh, the offensive tackle, Storm Norton. Yeah. It was a turnstile at right tackle, you know? And, but like, that's going to happen if you don't have the depth there. You're just going to have to put in, like, these random guys off the street that can't really handle, like, playoff caliber football. Like, I know Herbert somehow found a way to, like, get out of it. But, like, that game against the Raiders for the playoffs, Norton's guy was beating him in under a second every single yeah. time, which is crazy to think about, which is why, like, I know, like, people talk about the Rams, right, as, like, yeah. the model for, like, team building. How sustainable is that, though? I don't think it really is. The thing the Rams are good at is the mid-round guys. They nailed yeah. the third through the fifth round. They get guys who can play. No one great, but they get guys who can go into the lineup and they can hold their own. And that was going to be the, ne- mm-hmm. the last topic I wanted to broach was, do you think it's feasible to – try and do what the Rams are doing because it kind of seems like that was the big takeaway from this offseason is go get three blue chip guys and we'll figure out the rest. I mean, the Raiders went and did it. The Packers, I thought were going to go and do it with all the picks they got back for Adams. Debo mm-hmm. is out there. Tyree Kill got traded for a bit a big hole. There it kind of seems like the football GMs are being a little bit more aggressive than they have been in the past. Yeah, no. I mean like with the Rams, it's weird because, like, so much has gone their way where yes. it's, like, to that point of, like, sustainability. Is it really sustainable, you know? Because I know, like, I think the guys are, like, football outsiders or something have a metric where they capture, like, the impact of injuries. And the Rams, whether this is luck or something they're doing, like, their sports science department or something like that, but they just haven't had that many guys, like, go out for the year, like, big, long injuries like that where I think it was like the Bengals last year too. A lot of luck went their way, you know? And I think with the Rams, like they did everything right in terms of like, you know, the quarterback getting a good wide receiver or two around him, a good offensive line, having a couple studs on defense. But man, like people talk about like, you know, the whole like fuck them picks thing. That's not what they did. Like not to be like, you know, um, they acquired so many like mid-round picks they would just kind of play around in the third fourth and fifth rounds come out with guys like Darius Williams for example yeah. right the John Warriors. Johnson yeah exactly right like these are guys like you know they might not make like a big splash on draft night or whatever but like all of a sudden they're there playing meaningful playoff snaps and they're contributing to like a playoff team where as opposed to like other teams you know they might be trading up like you mentioned for a wide receiver or something like that where they're losing out on some of that depth which could come back to harm them in the playoffs, you know? So it'll be interesting to see whether more teams try to go this way. I think also, like, I'm more interested to see kind of what teams end up doing with, like, the average quarterback tier, like we talked about earlier for a bit, mainly the Vikings, because I know uh, they signed Cousins to, like, a one-year extension, I guess. So I wonder if they're just going to see, like, play it out, see if he can do something, then move on. Like, see if they can, like, McConnell can get out of Cousins, like what McVay got out of Stafford, which I don't think he can, but it'll be interesting to see. 
that's the thing of it, man. If you're a quarterback and you can't make your teammates better, that's kind of the barometer. Guys within that yeah. top 10, they can occasionally make that play that can help somebody get open, make throws that they can't. Cousins is fine. Like, on the perfect, like, if you put Cousins on last year's 49ers, they probably could have won the Super Bowl. I think that's Agreed. feasible. But you got to have the absolutely perfect team around them, and that's why it's not really tenable to have the average quarterback, especially because of how much the average quarterback costs now. Yeah, I mean, like, especially with Cousins, like, his whole deal was guaranteed. He's making, like, yeah, 30, nah, that's 30 35. You know, that's insane. You're never going to see that again for, like, an average quarterback like him. First ballot and, like, finesse Hall of Fame. First ballot. <laughs> has to be. And, like, on, like, a Giants note, right, with, like, Daniel Jones, for example, yeah. um, so many people talked about, like, last year, like, oh, my God, look, he's playing, like, an average quarterback. What do you want me to do with that? You know, yeah. it's not going to get me anywhere in today's NFL. Like, you need someone that can, like, make that throw where they can lead a receiver to, like, a spot they hadn't seen, which, like, a guy like Stafford, for example, he was doing that in the playoffs, you know? Yeah. So, it's like, I don't know. It's weird because so many teams can just, like, get away with having an average quarterback if the infrastructure is good enough. 49ers, for example, with, like, Garoppolo. I thought the Browns did a pretty good job of it two years ago with Baker, where yeah, they no. maximized what he was good at, and the defense was great. Definitely. I think that Baker, the whole thing with Baker is going to be such an interesting case study. He played his hand as badly as humanly possible. That's the problem. And these are are arrogant old white people who aren't going to deal with that bullshit. Like, he's going to have to get cut or the Browns are going to have to eat money to get him out of there. And I don't know if he can do the humble hat in hand, I need to earn a job thing. Because the only place where he could legitimately say, I am definitely better than who is here is Seattle. And that's not saying much. Drew Locke is horrendous. But if he goes to Carolina, he's got to beat Sam Darnold for that job. He's And yeah. I don't know if Baker can do that right now. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, his whole, like, shtick kind of comes off just like an entitled, like, you know, like, yeah. white quarterback. And, I mean, I don't want to say, like, he can't go out and beat a guy like Sam Darnold for a job. But it's kind of just, like, is he willing you to show me, you know? Yeah, that's exactly. the thing, man. Yeah. You got to show me. Because last year, the Browns mismanaged their season so badly, trying yeah. to play him through that injury. He had no accuracy. He could not throw yeah. because his other shoulder didn't work. I <laughs> don't he... understand what they were doing. And they have yeah, a backup they were paying real money to. Exactly. They're paying that backup the most in the league out of any backup. And they refuse to play him, which, I don't know, that's just kind of like, I know people like to blame Baker for that. I'd love to myself, but like how much can we really put on him for like, you know, in the end, like a player is always going to want to play, you know, they're never going to want to say like, all right, take me out coach. I'm not feeling well or whatever, something like that. It, it comes down to like the responsibility of like the coaches, the manage general managers, for example, to say like, you're actively making the team worse than it could be not by a fault of your own, but like something you can't really control we need to take you out, you know? Yeah. All right. Last question before I get you out of here. What team is the most hopeless? I think it's Seattle, but I don't – it's Seattle or Carolina. I think those are the only two valid answers. Maybe yeah. Atlanta, if you want to say Atlanta, because they basically have no talent aside from Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I'll say um, – hmm, that's a good question, actually. Uh, I want to say the Panthers just because, okay. like – how little hope that entire franchise has i think the fans recognize it too but on another note i'll say like in terms of like players aside if you just look at the organization i think it's the jacksonville jaguars by far (laughs) because yeah like we saw like 
I think like 90% of their fan base made their profile pictures clown emojis last year, yeah. which that as an outsider, it's awesome. But like, what does that say about a franchise, you know? Um, but yeah, in terms of like actual talent and stuff, because I think like the Jaguars, for example, they can just bank on like, they still have like that 10% chance that Lawrence becomes something, yeah. you know? And the Falcons, the Marcus Mariota, like the Panthers, Sam Darnold, Seattle, Drew Locke, you know, there's not much in terms of like, there's a easy, clear path towards improving for the future. And I saw like, I saw some Atlanta might be interested in trading for Demo Sam, Debo. What? What? Uh, Debo will be interesting. That'll be interesting. I think, I think they'll figure it out because he has no leverage. He's got, yeah. they have him for two more years. They'll figure something yeah. out. I, I, I understand. I wouldn't want to play running back and wide receiver too, both at the same yeah. time. That's tough. Yeah. I wonder. Even though he's a top 10 running back. Even though he's a top <laughs> 10 running back. Yeah. 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 I wonder, like, this is just like purely speculation, but I wonder if, like, you know, something like the Niners camp was like, we're going into this year with Garoppolo as their quarterback again. And Debo yeah. said, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> that's you know? possible. Yeah. Like, it would have. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if that's what happened. Cause I know there's been like so many reports that Shanahan Lynch, none of them like Lance, even though, you know, this is the guy you traded up for like that. Like I know Steve Young and like Montana, they talked about Lance, like he doesn't have it or something like that. But it's like, I don't know. You guys got to make a decision at some point. All I'll say about Lance before we wrap up, he made that start against Arizona, and he looked terrified. He was running for his life, getting rid of the ball yeah. as quickly as possible. And then he made that second start towards the end of the season, and he was fine for somebody yeah. who had one NFL start. You saw yeah. the, okay, I don't need to panic. I'm an athlete. I can make a play. I can survive. At the very least, you got to see what you got, man. You put all those picks into going to get him. You know what Jimmy G is. He's yeah. never going to be better than he is. Purely yeah. on the, the thing we started this conversation with about the – you can't just ride the Kenny Pickett train. If you're going to take a guy, take Malik Willis, and if you still lose, at least you tried. Yeah. I mean, like, I get with Lance, too, given, like, his FCS background, there's yeah. probably, like, more of an adjustment curve. But at some point, you know, the Niners are going to have to say, all right, we're willing to swallow a couple losses, a couple rough games for our ability to see what we actually have here. You know, they let they he played two games last year and came in a couple like jumbo run packages. You that's not going to give you any information on like your number three overall pick and what he might be. So I don't know. This was fun. It's always good. The draft is the best because we could literally do this for three hours, literally three hours. Absolutely. Yeah, this was a great time. Thanks for coming on, man. This was fun. Absolutely. Have to do it again someday. Definitely. We'll do. After the draft, we will do an episode where we will talk about just the Giants and either be very happy or putting our happiness off to next year to see how bad they are, to see if we have the draft picks to go get a good quarterback. So at the very least, the Giants will do something interesting. Might not be good, but at least interesting. Interesting for sure. I think that's the best way to describe them. Interesting. No. All right. That will just about do it for today's episode. I will see you guys tomorrow. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show.